Hey Last Looks crew, when I asked my FX buddies and did a shout out on social media to ask who was an awesome female sculptor, the name that kept popping up was my guest today. Join me as I chat with the incredibly talented sculptor, Savannah Suderman. We dive into the world of concept art, practical sculpting, and the exciting journey of bringing artistic visions to life. Get ready to feel inspired and motivated for your own creative endeavors. Over the course of the interview, it is apparent that Savannah's artistry extends beyond her work as a sculptor. Her passion for detail and accuracy, mixed with the deep love for the subjects she sculpts, offers an intimate perspective on her creative process. Plus, her relentless pursuit of self-improvement and continuous learning illustrates her dedication to her craft and provides a valuable insight for aspiring artists. Now we have our Oscars special episodes for 2024 dropping on February 19th. I interview all five teams nominated for their outstanding work. So you do not want to miss those, especially if you're an Academy member and get to vote or simply fascinated by the work and want to know more. Another thing we have coming up, and I'm sure a few of you have been waiting for this, our Mentoring with Last Looks program is back for 2024. Last year was such a success, and I'm still getting wonderful messages from mentees who gained so much from their experiences. So how could I not do it again, right? On February 24th, submissions will be open. We have an incredible lineup of mentors that are all past guests of the podcast and are willing to donate their time to their chosen mentees. How does it work, you ask? Well, be sure to keep an eye out on our Instagram account at lastlooks.crew on February 24th. I will post the submission instructions and do yourself a favor and follow all the instructions. If you don't, your submission may not be confirmed. So submissions will close April 7th and we will announce the chosen mentees on April 13th. So if you're in a position in your career where you feel having an experienced industry mentor would benefit you greatly, then this program is for you. I will be dropping a mini-sode explaining all the ins and outs on February 22nd, so look out for that. One more Last Looks news item before we kick into this episode. We have our next live Q&A tickets available for March 2nd. We will be asking makeup designer Erin Kruger-McCash and hair designer Michelle Seglia all of your questions. Now, these two ladies have worked on so many amazing projects together, including a bunch of American Horror Story seasons, and have done so, so many incredible jobs in their career. I have no doubt you have a question or two to ask them. So get your ticket, submit your questions, and remember it's okay if you can't make the live, all ticket holders get a personalized link to the entire Q&A, so no one misses out. Link in the show notes below, or look for live Q&A at last-looks.com. My name is Jamie Lee, a film hairstylist living in Long Beach, and this is the Last Looks podcast, a show where I catch up with hairstylists and makeup artists working in the film and TV industries around the world. And today, I'm speaking with sculptor Savannah Suderman. On with the show. And now, our feature presentation. Picture up. Last Looks. Rolling. And... 
welcome to the Last Looks podcast, Savannah. Hi, lovely to be here. Thank you. Of course. Um, okay, so this is where our story begins. I want you to finish the sentence for me, okay? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a little girl named Savannah, and when she grew up, she wanted to be... A paleontologist. <laughs> a paleontologist. A paleontologist. Yeah, when I was really little around the ages of, I think I was maybe five or something, my parents had taken me. I'm from Vancouver, Canada originally. Yeah. And my parents took me to the Royal Tyrell Museum in Alberta, Canada. Mm-hmm. And it's a dinosaur museum. And I completely fell in love and was absolutely obsessed with dinosaurs for my entire childhood. (laughs) So I wanted to be a paleontologist. I've also been drawing basically since I could hold a pencil. Yeah. So that was kind of like how I combined the two is I love dinosaurs. I used to, I had just sketchbooks absolutely full of them. So dinosaurs and animals, that was my thing. (laughs) I'm so curious about, actually, this is, this is quite funny because I wonder how many sculptors or people in your line of work, especially females, are really into dinosaurs. Yeah, actually, I think the the females I can't speak to as much just because I haven't met a ton of female sculptors, only a couple, but across the board, as far as sculptors go, almost everyone I know loves dinosaurs. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. I used to share a house with a couple of sisters and one of them was big into sculpting and she started out working in Weta in New Zealand and oh, she lovely. loves dinosaurs as well. So yeah. that's just that that just kind of sprung to mind when you said that. I was just yeah, like, Oh wow, this I must be know. a thing. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. I'm not sure if it's because, like, they're not around anymore, so it's all our way of, like, realizing them if you had that love for them when you were a kid yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And I do think that just, you know, the, this creature that doesn't exist anymore then kind of is a road to other fantasy creatures and whatnot, too. So it's just that more that that big imagination piece and wanting to realize it maybe has something to do with it. Yeah, I think so. That's very Mm -hmm. cool. So at what point, like, did you continue with that line of thought for how long? Oh, that was mostly when I was quite young. Mm -hmm. Um, It definitely lasted for a good few years throughout childhood. And then when I got into kind of like adolescent and whatnot, it was all art. It was all drawing, 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 just sketchbooks full of whatever. And then I got more into like portraits and human anatomy and all that kind of thing. I just fell in love with human anatomy at that point too. Oh, wow. And Mm -hmm. do you come from a creative family? Yeah, there are definitely creative people in my family for sure. My brother is an absolutely sensational drummer. Mm. Um, My dad is musical. He sings and plays guitar. And my mom wouldn't necessarily call herself artistic, but she is. She's always doing like kind of creative, more crafty things, but with her hands. So she loves like quilt and crochet and and she's a great cook and like all those kinds of things. So creative in in those kind of different aspects. Yeah. But as far as visual arts, that that was mostly my bag. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's funny about with mums because I would say that my mum is the same. She would create stuff and then I would refer to her as being really good at art or something. And she'd be like, oh, no, don't be silly. I'm, I'm not. And it's just like, are you kidding? Did you just see what you did? <laughs> Yeah, no, exactly. She's like that with knitting right now. I can't say what it is because she's working on a surprise for somebody, but she's basically sculpting with knitting. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, you just made this sculpture with knitting. <laughs> like, you got to give yourself some credit, woman. Yeah, mums, my goodness. Yeah, mums, I know, I know, yeah. But, but, so, yeah. <laughs> obviously, like, this is by the time you're in high school, you're into, yeah. yeah, all of this. So what happens once you leave high school? Like, what direction are you going in? Yeah, it's funny. I, I know a lot of people in this industry, they were into makeup effects since they were little, little, little. And that wasn't really 
my thing. I was more just into art for art's sake. Yeah. I didn't really dis- discover the makeup effects until later. I would say my first major foray into it was when I was obsessed with dinosaurs as a child was Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was just in love with that film. And so I did know about, say, Stan Winston from that age, but it was all about the the creatures, not necessarily makeup effects. And then it just became art. And then so out of high school, I actually thought I was maybe going to get into fashion design for a little bit okay? because I absolutely love fashion in high school. Mm. But Parsons in New York is way too expensive. So I didn't do that. And then I honestly, it's funny, I've tried to rack my brain several times to remember what the transition was into discovering makeup effects again. Mm. And I honestly can't pinpoint what it was. I think there were all these things always on my peripheral in high school when I was drawing because I would come across, say, a beautiful sculpture done for a film or something like that. And I always loved movies. I thought, who wouldn't want to work in movies? You know, I thought that was the coolest thing. So there was just some kind of gradual transition that got me there. But I can't remember that it was one specific thing. And then I ended up going to um, Blanche McDonald Makeup School after I graduated high school. Mm -hmm. And I did the full-time makeup diploma there for, that was a year year-long program. Yeah. And then started working on independent film very shortly after that and then got into the union at a pretty young age. I was in the makeup union in Vancouver at I think about 20, 21 years old. Nice. Yeah. Just going back a little bit, like when did you first actually sculpt anything and not to do with makeup effects but just. Yeah like first time actually anything at all. Yeah. I think probably in an uh, high school, I was in all the art classes I could basically take in high school. And I mean, we probably did some like weird paper mache sculptures or something like that. Yeah. So that was maybe the first time, but really just kind of like the one off thing. And then I really enjoyed it. It was one of those funny things in my head where I've always drawn, but knew that I liked sculpture, even though I hadn't really stuck my hands in it yet. And then when I started working in film after high school, I would kind of tinker around on my own at home and see if I could do sculptures and maquettes and stuff based on the things that I had seen. So it was kind of like dipping my toe into it and dancing around it for like quite a few years before I actually fully dove in, really. And how did you know what you kind of needed to get supply wise to be able to do that? At that time, that's a good question. I mean, I would go online and find a bunch of videos. Like that was already cropping up online at that time and whatnot. Yeah. And there was, you know, Makeup Artist Magazine was huge for that because I started collecting that when I started going to uh, makeup school. Nice. So it just, there were always articles with with sculptors in there and the, the, you could see the building armatures and whatnot. So you just kind of like, just gather information over time looking at it and be like, oh, okay, I know where I could find some wire. I know where I could find a wood block, you know, It's and then uh, just the makeup supply stores would have clay so I'd bring home some clay if I was looking for set materials and whatnot and just try it on at home yeah and were you doing your sculptures from drawings that you'd had done or like doing the design side of it first with sketch and then yeah I didn't necessarily the designing my own stuff was a thing that took me a long time to get around to because I always kind of felt like I could do it, but I was self-conscious about it. I had a a very hard time assigning value to my own designs over somebody else's. Mm. So I think at first I started seeing if I could replicate other people's sculptures was how I did it. And actually, like if you're learning how to do it, that's a good way to learn. Like if you're going to try and learn and see what something could look like, Mm. it's totally fine to replicate someone else's work if you're just practicing, you know, and that's how you know. And if you pick the best people, then you know where the bar is set. 
Yeah. You know, so as opposed to, yeah, you, but if you imitate, you want to make sure you pick the best. You want to set the highest bar for yourself that you can. Yeah. Well, I guess it's then you can what just compare what you've done just with, I guess, everything, just the dimensions and the ratios of sizes of stuff and all the just to see if you're kind of getting yeah and and it will also too because like this is sometimes what I tell people too like sculpture is not an entry-level position you know it's it's very like some people think like oh well I should just be given a chance like well no you have to prove that you can do it because oh like what we do start as a sculptor yeah like starting as an actual like sculpture sculptor in the profession you know like some kind of sounds crazy (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just but. like, and you would never want to just show up and 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 flounder, you know. So, mm. so that's why I say, like, even when you're practicing, set the bar as high as you can. Because if you can't do it when you're at home in your own safety practicing, and you actually want to do this professionally, mm. then you can't expect anyone to just give you a chance and let you mess up. Because we don't get extra chances at sculpture. So the the first thing you sculpt is the first thing that has to be correct. So right, yeah, pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so at any point, like, did you, when you were doing sculpture and copying things, were you sticking with anatomy and things like that, like doing full yeah, body I stuff? Say, or? Yeah, it was mostly anatomy. So it was human, and then I also did a lot of animal anatomy as oh, well, cool. too. So I would do, um, like, a lot of, like, say, wolf or canine anatomy or, or um, you know, switch back and forth from the male and female anatomy and whatnot. I was just obsessed with that because I figured if you don't have that, nothing's ever going to look right. Right. Which is true. Yeah. <laughs> so... So, yeah, it's actually funny. I've heard a lot of people say, you know, if you want to be a sculptor, you have to learn anatomy. It's like, well, what else would you be sculpting exactly? <laughs> you know, it's just like, yes, yes, you do. At least from an artist's perspective, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Who's the first professional sculptor in this line of work that you meet? Let's see. Well, yeah, I took kind of like my whole film journey took kind of like a weird road because I didn't really fully get serious about sculpting until I moved down to LA about eight years ago. Mm -hmm. So I was in the film union in Vancouver for about five years doing on-set makeup work. Yeah. And then for a while, I left the film industry for a little bit. And then when I moved down to Los Angeles, I was like, this is actually totally what I want to do. And I just knew that I wanted to actually work. It. I, I did the reverse thing. I knew that I actually wanted to work in a shop and do the artwork as opposed to work on set. So yeah. when I came down here, that's what I focused on. Whereas most people start in a shop and then they're like, I want to go to set. Yeah. And so, is that why you came to LA or was? It was, yes. Yeah. It was a big reason for sure. Like all the shops that I wanted to work at were down here and whatnot. And yeah. if it weren't for the work, I wouldn't be down here. Like that's definitely was the, the motivator for yeah. sure. Yeah. So then when I came down here... It's hard to remember exactly how I kind of got back in. I started going to, what was it? I somehow ended up at Friends Beauty Supply and talking to one of the guys there and they needed some help at one of the um, Monster Palooza conventions. Oh, yeah. So I went and helped out at one of their tables there. And then he had somehow mentioned that, I'm not sure if you know who Steve Proudy is, but he owns um, his own shop. Yeah, yeah, Steve Proudy up in, he's got his own really great shop up in Simi Valley and said that he was opening a new shop and needed some help. So I just kind of cold called him oh, cool. and was like, hey, I'm looking to to start working a 
shop if you need any assistance. At the time, I was on a work visa. Mm-hmm. So I could only make money working for the restaurant company that what I was down here with for the work visa. So I was like, listen, I can't even make money. Yeah. So I'll work for free. Oh, and it would have been that, like, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't think there was a lot of hesitation on his part. So I actually ended up working for him for free for about a year and a half, two years. And that was pretty wild because I was working three to four days at the restaurant and then the other three to four days at Steve's shop. So for, I think, a year and a half, wow. my alarm went off every single morning. I think I maybe averaged like one day off a month or something for a year and a half. Holy shit. Um, so yeah, and and not to mention that half of that was working for free. So it was definitely like, um, but I knew it was the right thing to do because like, I'm nobody. I'm down here from Vancouver, Canada. Why should anyone give me a shot unless I have work to show for myself? So yeah. Steve Prouty was really the first one that I was in contact who sculpted and that I ended up sculpting for as well. Like once he learned I could do the artwork, he's like, great, I'll do all the moments, I'll do all this and you do the art. And it was just the two of us. So we did everything together. You know, it was the molding and the running and the the everything. I think I only met Steve briefly. He did flesh pieces for our Marilyn on Blonde around her. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he made the pieces for Tina to the makeup artist to cover her hairline so I could put the blonde wigs on. They were great. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Steve's fantastic. He he knows every aspect of it, and he's a fabulous person to learn from. So if anyone out, out there wants to learn, he's a great guy to go and work for if he's looking for help and stuff. That's awesome. So mm-hmm. did you from there, like, have you, because uh, speaking to um, – people that I have, artists that I have that work both on set and in labs and things like that, they definitely in their starting off like moved around a little bit. They did a bit of shop hopping. Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something that you've done as well? I have done a little bit of that for sure. Mm. Steve, I worked with very solidly for about two years. And in that time, I I did a little bit of set work here and there, but nothing super significant. But I was mostly just with him that whole time. And then I ended up at K&B. And that was my first full-time sculpting position. So I went from working with Steve in his shop to a full-time sculptor at K&B. And then I was there for two years. And then I ended up going and working for uh, Alec Gillis on the Prey film for about three weeks at his shop. Did a stint at Spectral Motion for about three weeks. And then I ended up at Legacy and I've been at Legacy ever since. So for the past two, almost two and a half years now. Fantastic. And I mean, is that something that you would recommend that someone that, I mean, there's probably benefits to both, but... Would you? Yeah, it, it is definitely. There's benefits to both for sure. The benefit to shop hopping around is, I mean, it, it's fairly obvious. Like the more experience you get in different places, the better, the more you know what to expect when you go to a shop and what's expected of you. Because of course, every shop is different, mm-hmm. right? So you can get, I think, just very comfortable working at just one shop and that's fine. But sometimes you also get a bit stuck because you don't know what else is out there. So it's hard for you to be able to, I guess, maybe fight for your own value and your own worth if you're only at one place for a while right. because you don't know what else is available. You kind of get it in your head like, oh, no one else would hire me because this is the only place I've worked for. So just as far as knowing your own worth and just meeting new people and, and acquiring new skills from those new people, I think it is very valuable to, to work at multiple places if you can. Yeah, absolutely. And at Legacy Effects, like how many sculptors are there generally? Um, 
Oh, well, when we were working on Guardians 3, just, oh, gosh, that's... Oh, you would have had a ridiculous couple amount? A years ago. Now. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was insane. That was definitely the largest, big, busiest shop crew that I'd, I'd ever seen. I think we had close to 150 people in there at one point. Oh, wow. Not just sculptors, obviously. Yeah, but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, and also, you see, you got to count, like, because a lot of the stuff we did on Guardians, like, some of it was just purely digital sculpture, and then some of it was practical sculpture. So between the guys that are doing digital and us that are doing practical, there were quite a few of us. I want to say there were, oh gosh, I don't know, anywhere from 10 to 12 people working wow. on sculpture at a given time. So That's very cool. And yeah. talking about the practical and digital, is digital something that you play with as well? Like, do you feel like you have yeah, to? Because that's been a huge thing for me, actually, this last, it's been almost a year just about a year ago, I ended up started getting into digital and uh, learning ZBrush. And I think I had been using ZBrush for about five minutes before Legacy gave me the chance to put me on a show for that one, which unfortunately I can't talk about the show yet because mm. it's probably one of the coolest things that I'm proud of that I've done to date. Mm -hmm. um, just because I got to do both the digital design and the sculpt practical sculpture work for it as well. Oh, cool. And then also paint too. I paint as well. So I was able to do this one particular character start to finish essentially oh nice yeah so that was very cool I mean that's been one of the biggest things that I've learned so far is my mantra is very simply adapt or die you know because right. if I hadn't added <laughs> like like perfect example is like this whole strike I've been working this whole time because I added digital to my resume basically you know what I mean and and I don't know what I would have done during this strike if not for that so yeah. Do you yeah. think that it's that the practicals ever going to go away or do you think there's going to always be a place for it? You know, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of different people about this, even people who run shops and whatnot. And they yeah. say, no, no, the practical will never be obsolete. And I am a little bit skeptical about that, which is why I'm trying to bolster my skill set as much as possible, just in case. Yeah. But I do think it is hard for me to imagine where there will be a scenario where it's absolutely never needed. Mm. Or like, you know, there's just certain things like they said that it was all going to go away when CG came on, came on the scene. Right. You know what I mean? But what they realized is that the best, co the, the, the best way to do it is actually the marriage of both. Mm -hmm. You know, that's when it usually looks the most flawless is when you have both things working at the same time. Yeah. So will it ever go away? I mean... Oh no! Who am I to say? You know, <laughs> it's okay. I don't need the yeah. actual answer, but <laughs> yeah, no. But I, I, I think I don't know. I think it's going to be sticking around for a while, just in many different aspects and whatnot. But I also do think it's smart to make yourself as well-rounded as possible so that you keep working. I do think that people who only sculpt full time mm -hmm. may have difficulty. Do you know what I mean? If that's like, if you're you're just like, nope, I just sculpt effects makeup. That's all I want to do ever, period. Um, I don't know. That seems scary to me. So, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. guess it's a incredibly positive thing that you are so passionate about drawing. Yeah. For me, it was always just like the artwork in general. Like I love film, but I'm not one of these cinephiles who knows all these facts about this film or this thing or that, you know, like yeah. I'm purely about the art. You know, I don't, like video games. I don't play video games, but I love the artwork. So I will check one out to see the artwork. You know what I mean? This is the same across the board. It's the same with fashion. It's the same with architecture. Like I'm just totally a visual person. So yeah. it's all about the aesthetic for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So it doesn't, it doesn't feel, I guess, less doing it digitally to you because you're no, still creating. If any yeah, no, if anything, it's completely expanded it for me. And it's been unbelievably fulfilling because 
most of the time when you're sculpting, practically, you're given a piece of artwork that someone else did, mm. did and you're just trying to realize their artwork to the best that you can and give it life. But then, I, but it was always that thing in my head where it's just like, I wasn't sure if I was capable of actually coming up with the idea and coming up with the artwork. So being able to actually cut to, to sit there and realize that I can come up with characters and I can come up with ideas that directors are choosing and, and people are liking, you know, like that is super fulfilling to me, especially because I can then carry it through practically as well. You've given yourself permission to be like, I, yeah, I can't do it. Totally the word. Permission is totally the word. Yeah. Permission granted. Yeah. Savannah's yes. got it sorted. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a huge thing for me to realize that I was actually capable of. So that's been very cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And for the projects that you've worked on so far, what would have to be, and I understand that you can't talk about stuff that hasn't come out yet, but what would have to be um, some of your favorites? Um, Definitely a favorite was Guardians 3, just because those characters were so much fun to work on. Yeah. Um, All the human animals, as they're called, that we did. um, uh, It was so funny when the film came out and I went and saw it. There were characters that I didn't even remember that I'd done because we did so much work. It was like a good year, year and a half working on that film all the way from I did both um, sculpture and paint on that one. Yeah. So there were all these characters that flashed across the screen. I'm like, I completely forgot that I did that one. It was crazy. So just the the volume of work was amazing. And like human animal people, that's right up my alley. I love that. So that was a blast. Yeah. And getting to work with so many artists as well. Yeah, that was huge. That was super cool. Um, I got to bring, because um, my good friend Andy Burkholz and I, we met at KNB and we worked there. And then he came with me, or I came with him really, to, to Legacy as mm. well, too. And so we got to work together. And I am always, every time I see that guy sculpt, I'm learning something from him. So um, it's always good to have some people you know and then meet some new people on it. And it was also the second show that I had even worked on at Legacy. Like Andy and I got hired there to work on these Alamite characters for The Mandalorian. Mm. And that was like maybe a month or two. And then we were straight on to Guardians and it was just a total whirlwind. So it was fun. I, I love just getting thrown into stuff. So that that was a blast to do. That's good. You're in the right yeah. industry for that then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I thrive under pressure. So yeah. it's, it's a good thing. It's so funny. <laughs> I was talking to a girlfriend of mine who's in the same industry um does both hair and makeup and special effects makeup and we're talking about how some people just can't handle the unknown of the industry and you know the security of it and we were saying how much we love the uncertainty and the yeah just (laughs) yeah it's one of those funny things too because like I I feel like I was just saying this to someone the other day where it's just like, you know, even if it was the thing I desperately wanted to do, like, say, five years ago, if now I've done it and I've gotten to a certain point of competency, I'm always like, okay, what's next? What else can I learn? What's new? So I always feel like I'm constantly brand new, but I'm always learning a new thing. So it's one of those, like, kind of neat things. And it's just good. Legacy has been really great in that for me and that they've allowed me to try new things for them and they've given me the opportunities whereas some places you're basically the, the ceiling is kind of where you walk in at right. so like if you walk in as a sculptor that's all you're ever going to do you know what I mean so it's just been neat to be in a place that allows me to try my hand at some different things as well too that's awesome and apart from yeah. ZBrush what's something new that you've learned recently um, well, ZBrush has been the big one just because it's been like less than a year and it's such a large program that 
I'm still only scraping the surface, but along with ZBrush, of course, I've then had to learn um, the rendering programs like Keyshot and then also like get my Photoshop skills up up to snuff because, you know, you, you need all of those things to combine, like doing the model in ZBrush and then rendering it and then doing a Photoshop comp of it to submit the artwork and whatnot. So it's been kind of a whirlwind of le- learning all these different programs and utilities all at once. And for this humble hairdresser that's just sitting here trying mm-hmm. to understand what you're saying, what... what yeah, that's, <laughs> right, that's probably all Greek, no, no, it? No, no. I'm sure 99% of people listening understand what it is that you're saying, but rendering <laughs> Like, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so uh, rendering, the best way I can kind of um, describe it is maybe uh, as a lighting setup. So say you were going to sculpt um, something digitally in in ZBrush, yeah. and then you would take your model and put it into a rendering program, and it would basically set up, or you could set up a lighting situation in that program. And right. you could also change your materials. So say if you're working on something hard surface, you can change like metallic materials and whatnot and, and all that um, in the actual program, and then you can light it, and you can get a nice like cropped shot of your of your rendered model with with a good lighting scheme on it, and then you can pop it into Photoshop and make sure it looks all nice and tasty and exciting for when the director sees it for right, the first time. Right, right. So it's just yeah. a, the, the, a step in helping it feel like it's in an environment. In a- yeah, it, precisely. Yeah. And just being able to sell your, sell, sell your creature, sell your character, essentially. So, oh, cool. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And from all the sculpts that you've done, do you have an absolute favorite baby? I do, and it's the one that I just worked on because okay. I got to <laughs> design it. So, so I'll be, we'll reconvene when that one comes out maybe. But, um, <laughs> but other than that, let's see, one particular favorite sculpt. I mean, that's it. I'm sure everyone has a hard time saying this one just because kind of all it's always like it's always one of those things where if it's too far away I always look at it and cringe right so it always has to be something kind of recent so the human animals were definitely a fun one I really enjoyed particularly the bat the rabbit and the hyena that I got to do for that I do I did enjoy working on when I was at KNB I did I sculpted uh weight gain makeup for Mark Wahlberg for a film called Father Stew and so I got to do the face and the belly prosthetic for that one. And I really, really still enjoy doing lifelike, just really lifelike sculpts. Yeah. Anything with realism. Like I love the creature and the fantasy, but it is super satisfying for me to be able to pump out just a lifelike sculpt that I think is successful. So that was a favorite one that I did for sure too. Yeah. I think to yeah. just see that through to that end product and be like, oh, yay. And see what other people have added to it to be able to yeah. apply it and then it get on film and stuff and be like oh, oh that's totally always nice. so cool <laughs> yeah I just like I've always loved the team collab side of this industry like I, I I think I would die if I just had to only work from home and just be by myself like that would suck like where I get all my socialization is basically at work and I love the team collaboration aspect of that so I love working with other artists and and uh, stealing their techniques. <laughs> <laughs> While you were coming up, do you remember, I mean, you've already given such great, great advice to people listening and wanting to get into this line of work, but was there one piece of advice that kind of stuck with you that you were given at some point? Yeah, it's actually, it's it's a funny thing. It's a quote that even just recently I had it kind of like the most, I would say the most six. 
the most distilled version of it that I've heard. Mm. And and the quote is just basically, um, go do the thing. Like, let's see if I can find it. Yeah, here it's like, here is a list of things that are not doing the thing. And this all comes like, I think every, every artist I know is like just a, a chronic procrastinator. And that doesn't have to do with being lazy. <laughs> It has to do with self-confidence. Obviously, we know this. So I'm definitely one of those people that if I there's something I really want to do, but I'm not sure I'm up to the task, I will dance around it for ages before I finally get to it and dive in. Yeah. And so it's just like all these things that you think are doing the thing are not doing the thing except for just sitting down and putting time at the table. So preparing to do the thing isn't doing the thing. Scheduling the time to do the thing isn't doing the thing. Making a to-do list for the thing isn't doing the thing. Telling people you're going to do it isn't doing the thing like the, the like, more you're you reading I mean? the more that's just resonating with me exactly. I'm like what the fuck? and it keeps going it says messaging friends who may or may not be doing the thing isn't doing the thing writing a banger tweet about how you're doing the thing isn't doing the thing hating on yourself for not doing the thing isn't doing the thing hating other people for doing the thing isn't doing the thing. And so basically it's it's all these things it's like it keeps going and going but it says the only thing that is doing the thing is doing the thing. Yeah. So for me, it's just like every single one of those. It's just like, oh, man, it's so right. Yeah. I just have to sit down and do it. Yeah. And that was especially true for something, learning something like ZBrush, because it is an unbelievably daunting program. And it's very difficult to, I think, step into if you don't have someone showing you some things. Mm. But I mean, YouTube is unbelievable. I learned so many new skills on that program. It's incredible. And then just having like really amazing people at work that have taken time out of their day to show me stuff and teach me has been really amazing. So yeah, most people, like if you are actually willing to learn and they know you're going to do the work and put in the time, they will tell you anything. It's, it's when they think like you're asking for their, their expertise and advice and you're still not going to use it. That's Mm. when they're more reluctant. So if you actually show that you're going to like go home and do it. They're like, oh yeah, great. I'll, I'll tell you anything you want to know. Yeah. It's uh-huh. just, it's, <laughs> it's funny <laughs> how comfortable and good it feels to say to yourself that I'm going to do that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like such a safe little space to be like, and you feel really good about it. Cause you're just oh, like, you yeah, feel I'm, so I'm, good about yourself. It's going to be amazing. Little, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you had this lovely idea you get to feel like, you know, yeah. and, and especially I think nowadays with the social media and online, mm. you get to blast the world about how this thing you're going to do. And they literally, scientists have literally said it's the exact same dopamine hit that you get from actually doing the thing. So my biggest thing that I've realized lately is just keep your mouth shut until you have something to show for yourself. Because <laughs> so, otherwise you'll just end up not doing it. <laughs> just show people the result. Here it is. Yes, I did exactly. It. And I think there is some some really fun kind of sneaky value into like um just going away for a little while you know just like like get off of instagram get off of facebook Mm. go and work on something and don't blab to to people about what you're doing until you have something to show for yourself you know so something you're really proud of i think sometimes i don't know that might sound like Mm. an absolute asshole saying this but sometimes (laughs) the quality of work that i see popping up on social media i'm like yeah are you yeah I, uh, I understand I think that's that you're learning thing. and I understand, yes. but don't, don't feel like you have to put everything up that you do. 
just absolutely really picky about it. Like I, I mean, it's the same advice that goes back to when people would give you advice when there were when you had when you actually had like a portfolio in, in your hand mm. that you had to go around and show to people. Don't put everything in there. Only put your best work. You know what I mean? Because like, if I see you post something, you're saying that's the best that you can possibly do. <laughs> I'm it's like, so true. Oof. Yeah, it <laughs> yeah. is. I mean, it is a portfolio, really, isn't it? That is. I, yeah, yes. I don't think that's kind of looked at like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and then the reverse too, like, like there are some things that I keep on my Instagram that I don't think are very good, but it does show my journey. Mm -hmm. And I do think one thing I'm proud of is that how, how quick my journey I think has gone. Like, I think that my work has improved in a short amount of time, but it's because of how condensed it's been, you know, like just the amount of work I've done in a short amount of time is actually quite a fair bit when I look back on it. So I think it's kind of neat for people to be able to see the journey. I know other artists online that do the same thing. Like, They'll leave Instagrams up from when, like, the first time they tried something and compared to now and they're working on some big, massive, gorgeous video game and they have this, like, stunning texture on their sculpted models and stuff. And it's it's beautiful. And when you compare it to that first photo, it's like, that is so cool. You know what I mean? Because it makes it more achievable for someone who's learning to be like, look how bad they sucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and now they're amazing. Yeah, so. <laughs> good point. Good yeah. point. I love that. I also enjoy, um, I see it probably more on in Facebook groups, actually, I guess because they're a bit more private, um, when artists kind of share their work and they are asking for feedback yeah. from other people. They're just like, yeah. you know, I'm reasonably happy with it, but I feel like it could be better. But, you know, what would you do to 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 change it or make it better or whatever it is? And it's just so nice that they're brave enough to kind of put it out there and, yeah, I mean, that that discussion. is definitely, I, I think if you're going to improve at anything like this, you do have to have a big dose of, of humility that you can draw mm. upon for sure. But I also would be careful in the asking for f- feedback from people who don't know what they're talking about, because I think that you can get some very poor advice from people when they don't know what they're talking about. Like, I love feedback from people who I admire. You know what yeah. I mean? Take it with because a grain of salt from people yeah, you don't. <laughs> and gonna, yeah, exactly. And they're going to be able so, so more when I ask for pe- feedback, it's more of like I keep it private and I do it from people who I really admire. Mm. You know what I mean? Because otherwise the whole world is going to shoot 10 things at you and I think you maybe could get paralysis from just all this advice coming your way. But Very yeah. True. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And what do you, this is a difficult, well, I find this a difficult Mm -hmm. question. Others may not, but how do you define success in your work? Yeah, for me, that's actually very linked to kind of what I was just saying. Like for me, this has been from the very beginning of like my goal of getting into it and being a sculptor. For me, the thing that means the most is people I admire appreciating my work Mm -hmm. so uh, other people in the industry who like I said actually know what they're talking about and other sculptors who have done the thing and done the work and 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 gone on that same path to where they are now so for me the biggest form of success is getting to to play alongside others and be counted among them of people who I admire and uh, so for me like I would so much rather be a small fish in a big pond you know what I mean like I've never understood people who like to be a big fish in a small pond because mm. it's just like your your pond is tiny what do, where do you have to go mm. you know so the whole the chance to be a small fish in a big pond is really cool to me but to be part of that bigger network of artists and people who are significantly better than me because then I know I still have a path ahead of me and and ways to improve and whatnot yeah and I think it's 
I don't know. It means so much to somebody when somebody they respect reaches out and says, you're doing a really fucking good job. Like, Oh, it's absolutely huge. Yeah. So just, I mean, a message for those out there that do have an incredible wealth of knowledge and experience under their belt. Like, don't be afraid to... Yeah, I mean, it's, people because it, yeah. it, it can do amazing things for them. Like it just can it, it be. really does. And it's funny when it happens too, because like it's both like amazing and also kind of embarrassing because it's that same thing of like, oh man, they, they're actually seeing my work. Oh yeah. shoot, you know what I mean? Like it was so funny. Like I'm a huge fan of um, sculptors out in the UK, like all the guys that work for like Barry Gower and Mark mm-hmm. Coulier and all those kind of guys. And mm-hmm. Mark Coulier sent me a really sweet message on Instagram just recently. And I was like, it was so flattering, but it also makes you so nervous because you're like, oh man, these are the guys I admire so much. This is like, ah, I should have done so much better. But it's just like, they're watching oh my god yeah yeah, exactly so so it's a combination of fear and elation but yeah yeah it's funny yeah and sometimes but it's cool the timing of that is quite amazing like I had I had a I won't even name it because I'll just embarrass myself but I had a film come out I watched it before it came out and I pretty much couldn't sleep that night woke up the next morning thinking my career's fucking over who's gonna hire me and about two days later I got an email from someone who I had never met or worked with, who was a hair and makeup designer that I think is wonderful. And they had seen a pre-screening, they were in Paris at the time. And he found my, you know, searched me out, got my email address and sent me this beautiful email about how much he admired the work. And I was just oh, like, that's huge. Oh my God. Yeah. I was like, okay. And completely out of the blue <laughs> like that. Like, like that's, isn't that amazing when someone takes that time? Like, yeah. you know, yeah, he had no obligation to do that. That's no. so and lovely. It it's that, so genuine. Yeah. It was that moment of thinking, okay, maybe it's not as bad as I, maybe I'm being a little harsh on myself. Maybe it's not as bad as I <laughs> yeah. thought it was. And it kind of just, I could exhale a little bit more. Yeah. It's just like, okay. Yeah. Because, you know, you see know. all the faults in your own work. Like, you're the first person. Oh, brutal. I, I think I think any artist worth his salt has uh, an unbelievably high level of, what do you want to call it, being self, self-critical. self You know, like, it was actually, that was one of the great things when I started working at K&B and working around, you know, a lot of these guys have been doing it for 10, 20 years and whatnot. And every single one of them to a man said, like, oh, yeah, most days when I start a new project, I sit down and go, I don't think I have any idea how I do this. <laughs> you know? Like they literally sit down uh, frequently and be like, I think I completely, completely forgot to learn how to sculpt. <laughs> and so I was like, so starting out for me, that was just like a huge sigh of relief to be like, but it was also at the same time. It's like, oh shoot, I am actually going to always feel like this. <laughs> you know? So I know. And it's, it's funny. I think because people every now and again notice that you're like that. Cause I remember standing at a yeah. monitor once on a film and the line producer just came up behind me and she's just like, are you ever going to be happy? <laughs> she's like, it's, it's looking the, great. The Everyone sad. else is happy. Are you ever yeah, going to be happy? <laughs> truthful answer is absolutely no. Yeah. And I've actually had that before too. This is the funny thing that I, that I've, this is ridiculous, but I've, it's so funny. I will literally hate my work so much. And then I'll be like going through a photo, like scrolling through photos of something and come across a, a photo of a sculpture. I'd be like, oh shoot, that's really good. And then I'll be like, 
oh, that's mine. That's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like the only moment when I get to actually appreciate my work is when I forget that I did it. You're folding <laughs> like, to. Yeah, exactly. And then once I realize it's mine, I start picking it apart again and being like, oh, that's total crap. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> so what... What do you find are some of the bigger challenges you face in what you do? I guess day-to-day kind of challenges. Yeah. um, I mean, I guess the ultimate day-to-day challenge about doing this is just that, I mean, on a practical level, we have to live in such a bloody expensive city to do it. Mm. So that's definitely difficult, I think. It's just like making sure you can keep the lights on and whatnot. And and this city is just... It, it takes a lot out of you sometimes. As much as I love LA and I, I love it down here, it's it can be tricky in this city. I think most people, even when you do get to earn a living doing what you love as an artist and and get paid well to do it, it's it's just it's just bloody expensive, you know. So, but I mean, it also gives you kind of like a challenge to to keep moving upwards in that respect too. Yeah. Um. But as far as just day to day challenges, I think it's just always it's just always chasing that better thing, you know, and not getting complacent, I think is really the biggest thing. Um, Because I mean, I've seen artists who are so unbelievably talented, but they've also become complacent, Mm. you know, and and I think what bothers me the most is seeing people who can do so much more and choose not to. So that's more just kind of like for, for my own self, a good thing to kind of run away from as well as having that bar of people who admired her to run to do you think that's an age thing or like how long you've been doing it thing or like how Um, do you stop that from happening do you think I I mean I like it could be an age thing but for me it's 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 a choice yeah you know so I don't think it matters how old you are because I like people of all kinds of different ages still do absolutely sensational work and are always pushing that bar higher so for me it's just like I don't know who, who knows what it is for each individual, but for me, that I, I see it completely as a choice. Yeah, I wonder um, if they even s- realize they've made that choice sometimes. Yeah, I think so. I think I think I think the biggest thing is just taking responsibility for your own mm. work and your own life, because I think when you start to blame other people for your situation is when you've kind of lost, mm. you know. So, yeah, so just always taking responsibility for where you're at and what what kind of work you're putting out there. And no one else is, you know, you're the only one that can do your own work. So, yeah, so that to me comes down to the individual. But but yeah, just making sure that that you're always I don't know. I just always love to find new inspiration and making sure that, you know, good enough isn't good enough. You know, how much how much better could the next thing be? So so just staying staying on top of that, I think, is is a part of the joy of it, but also part of the challenge of it, too. Yeah. And what, what, I mean, what are some of your favorite sources for like research and inspiration when you're working? I mean, one of the easiest and biggest things right now is Instagram. Mm. It's like an absolute wealth of like artists you would have never been able to discover Mm. and and see their work otherwise. Mm. Um, It's just amazing for that. It's really the only social media platform I use because... I don't really care what latte people had on Facebook or what they think about this. I just mean? care about, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> is what it is. So like, it's more just like, I don't want to see what you make. That's all I care about is it's back down to, I only care about the art. So that's an amazing resource right there too. I mean, I, I pull from all kinds of different stuff. I, I'm a big fan of architecture. I mean, I love things like furniture design. I love traditional sculpture, like the classical stuff. I, I just love art in general. So yeah, the, just the easiest resource and just a total goldmine, honestly, is Instagram. Yeah, It's incredible. 
Yeah. I think I want to go back for a minute and just ask how, because I feel like this is something that some people, I would assume, well, no, I won't assume. I, I, I know people have a problem or have difficulty dealing with is that when they are working for somebody and creating for somebody else, that mm-hmm. when they get that feedback of like, no, start again, we need to completely change this or go in a different direction or Mm -hmm. whatever it is like how do you tend to navigate that stuff Uh, yeah that can be a I've I've seen people take that well and I've seen people take it uh hard for me uh, like this is a job like you are hired to do a job and you are so fortunate that you get to do a job that you like to do Mm. so the fact that someone is giving you feedback is literally what you are paid for you know like you get to show up and do what you love every single day and if you have to get some feedback and change what you're doing that's what you're getting paid for so you know what I mean you want to go and make your own own art that's absolutely great but you do it on your own time and on your own dime you know Mm. But if, but like at the end of the day, like being a sculptor isn't just about how well you sculpt. It's also about being a good employee and being a good, like, this is commercial art, you know, it's not fine art. So you do have to kind of have a, have a stiff upper lip and toughen up your, your ability to take feedback. Because if you think you're going to come in and just do a banger every single time, you're going to be disappointed, <laughs> you know? And for me, it's like, it, it, and getting into the concept design, that is literally the job. Like you submit artwork and they say yay or nay, and then you do it until you figure out what they actually want. And for me, I really enjoy it because I get another kick at the can. Yeah. Like when we're sculpting someone else's artwork, we really do only get one shot to do it. And that has to be the thing that is correct, you know? So you will get feedback and tweaks along the way while you're doing it, but you don't really ever get to do it again. Yeah. So um, with concept art, I actually really enjoy when they come back with feedback and go, okay, we want to go actually in this direction or a different direction or blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, cool. I get another, I get another shot, you know, because... Just because you did one thing, that doesn't mean it's the only thing you're capable of. Yeah. You know, so that's that's actually really cool for me. That's awesome. Maybe that is some, re- I think there's some really great advice of what you said about that they need to be able to express themselves how they want to through their art. Then that needs to stay in their own creation yeah, and, and not bring it to work. Like having it, not, that separation yeah. is probably really important for some people. And not to mention that the side projects are going to, like when you do side projects, it, it really does. I mean, it helps your professional work too, because you get to try things that you maybe wouldn't have had the time mm. or opportunity to, to do while you're on the clock, right? So that's especially true for me right now with the digital stuff. Concept design is so much about like, okay, what's what's this cool style I can come up with? Or what's this visual thing that is going to help sell my character mm. and, and whatnot? So learning all that stuff on the side helps me be able to get to it quicker while I'm on the clock. So it, and just as far as like, you know, you don't just want to do the same thing over and over again. You want to find other ways that you can that you can communicate your idea and come up with with new ways that are novel that doesn't look just like cookie cutter of everybody else's artwork out there. So yeah, so yeah, that's awesome. And so where to from here? What have you not done that you would like to? Oh, so much. Um, <laughs> I'm definitely gonna, <laughs> I'm definitely going to be writing um, the concept art thing for a while. Like I'm really enjoying the fact that I can like I said before, like do the concept and take it all the way through to practical, Yeah, you know? So that's been, that, that was actually one of, and actually I, I came about doing that mostly just to kind of like save my own ass and keep working too. Cause it's just like concept art is the very first thing 
-hmm. and then it goes to sculpture and then paint is one of the very last things. So Mm -hmm. if I have at least those three things in my belt, I can do something start to finish, which means I can always be working as far as uh, being on a project goes, as opposed to only doing concept and then you're only there at the beginning or only doing paint and you're only there at the end. I mean, you have to be very reliant on your company bringing in a steady stream of work in order to keep you working if you're just doing one thing. Yeah. So that was a huge thing to at least get that uh, that under my belt. And now that I can do that, it's just trying to... um, I'm still so new to the to the concept design and the ZBrush and the rendering and all that kind of stuff that is definitely going to be learning more of those skills and skill sets. And then, I mean, beyond that, it's just, uh, I like to keep my options open just to see whatever doors open up for that, you know? I do sometimes miss doing the set work and being on set and being able to travel for work and whatnot. So I don't know if maybe in the future I'll do more of that, but... Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> That's awesome. And yeah. what is a film you remember watching and being just blown away by the by the makeup? Let's see. For me, when I, I'm a huge, huge fan of age makeups. Mm-hmm. I really, really love old age makeups. And so Amadeus was a huge one for me. Mm-hmm. Amadeus and Exorcist, of course, those are classic, stunning age makeups. Yeah. And then as far as like actual makeup goes like I just really love the stuff that they did for Game of Thrones this one sculptor out there Josh Weston did this absolutely stunning giant makeup that I just absolutely adore the design for and I was just like oh that is so cool you know um I'm a big fan of um fantasy typically over like horror or anything like that too so when I was a teenager Lord of the Rings was huge for me that was one of the big things that I think got makeup back in my brain again too and and watching the behind the scenes for all that mm. and whatnot and uh, Tammy Lane is a good friend of mine and I remember seeing her on a behind the scenes for Lord of the Rings and being like oh I could do that that looks so cool <laughs> so that that was a big one when I was younger for sure that's awesome yeah and if you didn't do this kind of work what do you think you would do I've been an artist my whole life so I like to think that maybe sometimes it would be something else. Like I'm really into psychology, so I like to think that I would have done maybe something, but it would have always been art. Yeah. So that's more just kind of like a side hobby for me that I like to learn about that kind of thing. But it probably would have been, I don't know, something like, like I love furniture. Maybe it would have been like furniture design or something like that, or maybe just plain old fine art. I'm not sure, but it definitely would have been something artistic. So (laughs) awesome. Yeah. And so on a daily basis, if, is there one tool or product if I took it away from you what would freak you out what do you, yeah. what do you never want to be without yeah for me it's the Kemper D10 tool it's a it's a, it's a sculpting tool made by uh, Kemper tools and it's just the, this um it's a dual ended uh, wire tool and mm. I just take what do you call it uh, a dremel and I just put little notches in it to make it into a rake and I have taken sculptures from start to finish on that one little tool and people would think it was probably way too small to do it but I've done it <laughs> and if I didn't have that one I would probably lose my mind oh wow so the Kemper D10 and then also these little um silicone pet scrub brushes that you can get on Amazon they're like fur brushes for your pet and they're made of silicone and they're amazing for scrubbing down sculptures so oh cool yeah awesome Love it. Yeah. And um, what one person would you like to hear on the podcast? I would absolutely love to hear a podcast with Josh Weston. He's one of my absolute favorite sculptors in this industry. Mm-hmm. He's out in the UK. I believe he's done work for Barry Gower and Mark Cooley and those guys. And he's just done like, I just love his style. And the and the types of makeups that he's done are just astounding. Like this one, um, 
age makeup he did on Tilda Swinton for Suspiria, where he turned her into this old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just stunning. I just love it. I think it's beautiful. So I'd love to hear from him and be able to, from a distance, pick his brain about how he thinks about sculpture. But yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, if I ever get hold of him and, and sort that out, I might circle back to you and be like, what should I ask? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Please feel free. <laughs> I mean, I can, Savannah wants to know this and Savannah wants to know yeah. that. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. If you, if you could just have a podcast with her, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and yeah. before we wrap up, how would you like to do a quick fire round of questions in 30 seconds? Oh, sure. Yeah. Give it a go? Fire? <laughs> yeah. Let's see if my brain is working today. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Ready. I think. <laughs> if you won lotto, would you keep working? Yes. Do you agree? Fake it till you make it? Yes or no? Absolutely. Go big at Halloween or hide? Hide. <laughs> Have you ever been fired? No. Do you believe we landed on the moon? Yes. <laughs> Alarm snooze button? Yes or no? Yes, unfortunately. (laughs) How many times? (laughs) Way too many to admit. (laughs) That was great. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And it sounds like that alarm that just went off. (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. Um, Well, thank you so much, Savannah. And I am so pleased that we were able to make this happen. Yeah, me too. Thank you for reaching out several times. (laughs) (laughs) It's been so much fun. So thank you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, Last Looks crew, thanks for listening. And remember, if you love it, share it. A quick scroll down and you'll find our show notes. Or maybe you'd like to give your support and leave a five-star review. Go on, I know you want to. Search the Last Looks podcast on Instagram, Facebook, or TikTok, whichever one tickles your fancy. And a massive shout out to the husband, Brett Stanley. Without his patience and tech support, this whole podcast situation simply does not happen and cheers to Liliana Rose for her fabulous voice acting talents okay last looks crew that's a wrap for me I don't need to be told twice to get out of here so bye I'll catch you on the flip side that's a wrap people